only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. My name is Keith. And this is episode 40. Today is March 21st, 2023. Well, the last several days around the household, it has literally been a zoo around here. Number one, I have a sick chicken. Mary Poopins, one of my hens, has cocidiosis. Cocidiosis. C-O-C-C-I-D-I-O-S-I-S. Cocidiosis. It's a parasitic infection of the intestinal tract. We're just going to have to go with that. So as I'm researching uh, this particular parasitic infection, there is a lot of information out there. There's, it's not like you can't go. There's not like a WebMD for chickens. And, and trust me, don't ever go to WebMD if you, if you feel sick. You go to WebMD and you look up like a hangnail. And before, you, before you're done, you're going to die of some strange fungal infection. It just completely goes off the rail. So be careful what you look up on WebMD. So in the same vein, there are a lot of different sites, a lot of different forums, people offering advice, some poultry veterinarians offering advice. So you have a lot of different information. Well, there's a shocker. It's the internet. So everybody can just post whatever they want to and what has worked for them. Well, I'm in Richmond, Virginia, and there's not too many poultry vets around. There was like one uh, emergency call. I, I didn't even, I didn't go with that one. So I went to the internet to diagnose what was wrong with Mary Poopins. So looking at all her symptoms, she was very lethargic. She wasn't eating. She had diarrhea and she had a very dirty vent. All right. So the vent is where the egg comes out and where the poop comes out. When a chicken poops, not to get too graphic, they do a very good job of not getting it on themselves. You would just have to see it. There's a lot of motions and a lot of feathers moving out of the way and plop. And it's amazing how they stay as clean as they do. Well, Mary Poopins was not able to do that. Uh, she had a very dirty vent and the feathers and all that stuff below her vent was was bad. It was bad. She had skid marks on her feathers, I guess you could say. And the one day, it was like uh, probably Monday or Tuesday of last week, I noticed she went inside. She went into the chicken coop a good 30 minutes ahead of the other chickens. So I kind of kept an eye on her at work, pulled up the security cameras every now and again. And Thursday, uh, she would basically just lay down in the straw while the other chickens were inside the covered run, locked inside the covered run, pecking around, eating, drinking, just having a, a, a good old time. And then she was laying up against the edge where the chicken wire is. And then Mr. Rogers, my barn cat, was actually laying in the mulch right next to her. Now, Mr. Rogers hangs around with the chickens. He walks with them when they're out free ranging in the yard. He'll go into the uncovered run. Um, I'll let him into the gate. He'll stand on the roost with them. He'll stand on the cinder blocks. He'll, He'll actually, today, if you can believe that, I let the chickens out after work 
and they were taking their dust bath. That's how they, you know, they keep relatively clean, you know, mites and fleas and stuff like that. Mr. Rogers was taking a dust bath next to the chickens. When he gets up, he was brown. He's a black tuxedo cat. He was brown with dust. And I'm like, well, I guess it could be worse. I guess he could be chasing the chickens all over the place. So when I figured out that Miss Poopins had this intestinal tract disease that I cannot pronounce correctly, found out that I needed to isolate her for several days. Now, the way she got sick was through infected fecal matter. So somebody had it somewhere. And a lot of times, you know, they're out in the uncovered run and I'll throw some scratch down. I'll throw some, uh, some food down. And we've had a, the last couple of weeks has been very, very wet. It's rained a lot. And the only thing I can figure out is it's raining. The chicken poop gets diluted with all the mud in the water. And when I throw some food out there, you know, some cabbage, lettuce, I can only assume that the infected poop got infected or got mixed up with the water. They ate it and then and Miss Poopins, you know, got really, really ill. So I wanted to isolate her for at least four or five days, but with the understanding that if she was sick, I'm going to have to treat the entire flock because if she's sick, there's a good chance that some of the others are going to get sick if they're not already sick. So on the way home Friday, left work a little bit early, went by Petco, I believe, picked up a dog cage, got the straw, got under the waterer for her, a little, like grabbed a Tupperware thing out of the cabinet, put some food in it. And I went to Tractor Supply and got some medication. It's called Corid, C-O-R-I-D. It works very well with poultry. You can also, it works with calves and all sorts of other animals. And it's not an antibiotic. It's an antiparasitic liquid. So you don't need a prescription for it. And I looked up the dosages, you know, so many, so many cc's per gallon of water. So I put her water in the cage and I also treated the water, the five gallon waterer for the other hens that are still outside. You need to go ahead and change that every 24 hours just to make sure, uh, I guess, that it's not diluted itself too much and you want to make sure that it uh, maintains its potency, I guess. Her diarrhea continued. I put her in uh, the actual pantry where, where I keep my food, uh, nice and warm, nice and dark. She's not stressed out. I hand fed her a little bit. Eventually, she started to get a little better. Yesterday, it was decent weather. It's been really, really cold at night, so I'm sure she appreciated staying inside the house. So yesterday afternoon, I brought her outside into the front yard, and we went into one of the flower beds and dug up a bunch of worms. She was very appreciative of the, of the worms, and then I took her around the house so she could see her other friends. And as soon as she saw the other hens, she didn't run because she's really not up to running. She she walked with a purpose towards the towards the chicken coop and just talked up a storm, told, I'm not sure what she was saying, but I'm pretty sure she was saying, Mr. Rooster Man has taken care of me as opposed to kidnapping me. He has fed me and kept me in a nice, warm, comfortable room as opposed to keeping her hostage and feeding her uh, chicken feed. So the other chickens, they had a little, a little meeting and they talked it over. And so I let her stay out there for about an hour, hour and a half. Well, last night it got down to about 22 degrees. So when it was time for the chickens to go in, I brought her inside and put her back in her little cage, put one of the little, the little uh, ring security cameras on it and, I, and I, on her, and then I went to work. Kept an eye on her every so often, checked every couple hours while it was work, and she was eating a little bit, and she was drinking a little bit. So she seemed in, in a little better state than she has been. Took her outside today, put her with the hens, 
and she kind of stayed to herself. She did drink some of the water out of the large, the larger waterer that the other hens have been drinking out of, switched up that waterer, put more medication in it. So, and I'm also trying to keep the run extra clean, the coop extra clean. And believe it or not, I'm actually looking at their poop to make sure that it doesn't look like her poop was last week. So again, tonight, about a half hour before the other chickens go in, she, on her own, went into the run, jumped up into the coop and jumped up onto her roost. I went and checked on her. She's like, hey, leave me alone. I want to hang out with the other hens tonight. I'm like, all right. Went in, closed the door, and everybody else went in to the run and then up into the coop. So decent weather tonight. Uh, in the next couple days, uh, like 68, 75 Lots of sun, so I'll check on her through the security cameras, but I'll go ahead and, and let her stay with all the other chickens. And, it, and so far, it looks like either the other chickens have not been infected or the, the, the cord that's been in their water for the last, wow, Friday, Saturday, yeah, the last four days, uh, solid four days, it may have, may have mitigated that and looks like they're going to be in good shape. But obviously, I'll keep an eye on them and their poop to make sure everybody seems to be doing okay. You know, and I and I treat the, those chickens like pets. Uh, they're not meat chickens, they're egg chickens. And speaking of eggs, I went to several different websites and a couple of the websites said, no, you don't eat the eggs while the chickens are on antibiotics. Well, I checked another site about an hour ago and Corid is not an antibiotic. So it says you do not have to toss the eggs you do not have to, if they were meat birds, you could still eat them. So I've got a bunch of eggs that I actually set aside that I'm going to go ahead and uh, and get ready to freeze dry here in a week. And their egg production, since the, the weather has kind of evened out, the egg production has picked up quite a bit. So again, weird situation. You can go to different websites and get all sorts of, of different information. And basically what I did was I just went to as many websites as I could and then just kind of went with common denominators, what most of the sites said, uh, what they had basically in common. And so we're going to go ahead and go with that. Point number two, Cannon, one of my indoor tuxedo cats, he was a rescue several years ago. I'm in the Florida room, ordered pizza last night. I'm in the Florida room, finishing up some video or whatever I was watching. And here comes Cannon dragging a slice of pizza from the kitchen into the Florida room. I'm like, have you lost your mind? He got up on the counter, which he never does, stuck his head into my pizza box, knocked it onto the floor, I guess, and drugged this small slice of pizza across the kitchen, across the living room, and into the Florida room. I hit the roof. I chased him around the house, yelling and screaming, you know, picked him up by the, what's the, the nape of the neck, you know, like the mama cats do. Picked him up, took him over, I guess, I don't know, like you do with puppies when they poop, you like put their nose like right near it and go, no, no, and smack them on the butt. Well, okay, I did that to Cannon and I picked him up and I brought him to where the pizza box was and I like put his nose like next to the pizza box and said, no, you don't get on the counter and you don't eat pizza and I smacked him on the butt and he took off running. And I realized that was probably the silliest thing that I have ever done with a pet. Like I'm going to rub his nose into a pizza box like he like he's a puppy that had an accident. Anyway, uh, it didn't work. He's running around now screaming and yelling like he was. And here at the house, we have what's called, I call it wet food Friday. So every Friday, uh, Cannon and Nikon, the other 
uh, black, the other tuxedo cat that's a rescue, they split a can of wet food. I've been doing that for a long time. Now, Cannon is really used to it, and he will not leave me alone. I look at the kitchen, and he runs ahead of me like a madman. He runs around, flops on the floor like he hasn't eaten in years, screaming and yelling for his wet food. So I've stopped wet food Fridays until he just calms down. Of course, he's not going to calm down. He's just going to start eating pizza. I'm going to come home one day, and he's going to be like, have pushed a chair up next to the stove, and he's going to be making like macaroni and cheese or something. He'll have a little cat apron on. I'll be like, I'll walk in. He's like, hey, are you hungry? Here's some mac and cheese. So I don't know what I'm going to do, but he he's an absolute character. Nikon doesn't talk much. You can have an entire conversation with Canon. He just sits there and just yaps, 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 yaps. You say, hey, how are you doing? And he'll say, I'm like, oh, really? And, and I'm the idiot having a, having a conversation with a cat like, like he understands what I'm saying. All right, so Pizzagate is taken care of. Hopefully that won't happen. And now something I've never had to do before Now I have to put the food away immediately, close up the pizza box. If I have a loaf of bread, go ahead and, you know, tie it off, put it in the fridge. Whereas before I could leave the food out, you know, eat, come back, do whatever I'm doing, and then go ahead and clean up the kitchen. Okay. I have planted some onions and some peas Uh, in the little, the little starter kit. I have a small, it's not really like a greenhouse. It's a, it has four shelves on it, has a plastic covering on it. So I guess it's like a mini greenhouse. I have the little uh, heat mats under them, a little hygrometer, and the little fancy grow lights, a bunch of different colors and stuff like that. So uh, the onions and the peas are just starting to sprout. It's been about a week, so they're starting to peak up. So keeping them watered, keeping it warm and humid inside the little portable greenhouse thing. So it seems to be doing okay. And let's see. Oh, picked up some potato seeds. They're little potatoes that you put in the ground. What are those called? Starter potatoes, you know what I'm talking about. They're the little potatoes that are specifically designed to put in the ground and grow your potatoes. I'm going to call them potato starter seeds. Got those, and I need to wait two more weeks until I can put those into either a grow bag or a trash can or just a big mound of dirt. I haven't decided on how I'm going to uh, grow these particular potatoes. An update on the EcoFlow Delta Pro. I know I spoke in the last podcast about some issues I was having with it, with the solar not kicking in once it topped off at 100%. I put a load onto it. It got down, you know, 96, 97, 98%, and it never kicked in. Well, EcoFlow finally got back to me, and they asked several questions, and I immediately answered. The next day, they'd ask more questions back and forth, back and forth. Until after the fourth or fifth day, they finally said, oh, by the way, our solar generators, once it hits 95%, then it will kick up and start taking in solar. I was like, why didn't you tell me that the first time? I made it pretty clear in my explanation. So anyway, um, when it gets to like 95%, if there's light, if there's sunlight on the panels, it then kicks right in and it does its thing. The other day when I got up, it was like 81%. Uh, I checked it from work through the app. As soon as the tiniest bit of solar hit, it started taking the solar and it's doing fine. So now I know that it's just kind of a, it's it's built in to, it's a design part of the EcoFlow Delta Pro that at 95%, along with most other solar generators, once it hits 95, 96, sometimes 94, it'll then start taking on solar. Had an electrician out yesterday to try to get a quote on either a 50 amp receptacle in the garage or a 30 amp receptacle in the garage. So I had them price both 
And ideally what I wanna do is I have a tri-fuel generator, so gas, propane, and then natural gas. So we looked at that and then I explained to him about my Delta Pro solar generators. Now the Delta Pro has a, what, let's see, let me if I get this right, a three-wire, so like a three-prong, a three-wire, three 30-amp plug. And he said, okay, but they recommend a four-wire, 30-amp plug for safety reasons. Neutral, ground, hot, something. There's another one in there somewhere. Again, I am not the person to ask if you have a question about electricity. So we, he, we opened up the panel box, and he showed me how it would work. So the Delta Pro throws out 120 at 30 amps. So he said if you wanted to go with a, a three-wire receptacle to match the three-wire on the Delta Pro, it would only be able to run one leg of my home or of the, of the, of the main panel. You'd have to pick the A side or the B side. You wouldn't be able to rotate back and forth because it's just 120. And seeing as though most panels in homes are not balanced you know, accordingly, it's kind of a crapshoot. I would literally have to look at one leg and be like, well... I kind of want this stuff at 120. Oh, but there's some stuff on the B leg I'd like. He said that, or I could spend the money to rearrange the panel to have all the 120 on one side, all the 240 on the other. Or he said, go ahead and do the four wire uh, 50 amp with my generator into the receptacle and then just run 240 if I need it. And then run, obviously you can run both sides, uh, both legs on the panel, the A and the B side. So I decided to go ahead and go with that. And I think what I'm going to do is, since the Delta Pro and the extra batteries are portable, I think what I'm going to do is kind of keep those in reserve in a sense. And if I want to run something smaller, I can bring them into the house. I can always put extension cords, power strips. Like currently in the garage, they're running my freezer as well as my beer fridge that's actually just full of water now. And I think that's what I'm going to do. So that so since they're portable and they're connected to the array, I think I'll go ahead and, and just use those as kind of a I don't know, kind of a stopgap. I'll go ahead and order a second battery for the uh, Delta Pro. So that will give me a little over 10 kilowatts, which is not bad at all. So I will be able to run a lot of things, 30 amps, um, 30 amp and 120 volts. I'll be able to run a lot of things. So I may not have to tax the generator as much as I would have if I didn't have the Delta Pro in the mix. So that's going to work. No big deal. I, I'm going with the electricians. They do not recommend the 30 amp three wire. And he, you know, he was very nice to explain why. And I told him when he first got there, I'm like, I'm the dumbest guy when it comes to electricity. You're the expert. Let me ask you some questions. I'm going to get the nomenclature completely backwards. The guy was really cool about it. And obviously, I'm not the first person he has spoken to that does not know a lot about electricity. So we'll go ahead and get that taken care of. Going to get one more quote. I talked to a coworker, and that quote seemed a little high. So I'm going to go ahead and speak to another electrician and see what they'll do for me. All right. The chamber vacuum sealer and the Mylar bags that I have, something's not working. I have put several items into my Mylar bags. And as I mentioned the other day, the sealer, the sealer bar, I guess, happens to sit right on top of the Ziploc part of the Mylar. So I was thinking, well, maybe it wasn't sealing correctly or so I went ahead and at a suggestion of somebody on Twitter, I went ahead and cut the top of the bag off and went and just cut the little ziploc part off and went right to the Mylar itself. 
I put some, I uh, had some candy, put it in there, sealed perfect, looked great. The seal looked great. 10 minutes later, there's air back in the bag. So I checked the seal and the seal's fine. So I must have some crappy mylar somewhere. So I am, I'll try it a few more times. I'll dig to the bottom, grab some different bags. And if that's not working, I'm just going to, I'm just going to chuck it in the bin and get a different, uh, a different mylar bag, go with a different company completely. I'm not sure what's going on with that. The biscuits and gravy. So the biscuits and gravy came out pretty well. I picked up some instant, not really instant. It was um, powdered gravy. It was peppered gravy. I don't remember the name. Three packages of that. You know, it's you boil some water, but then you you mix cold water into the gravy mix, and then you put the hot water, the boiling water, on top of that. Apparently, you do the cold water and then the hot water to keep it from getting lumpy. Keep it on the heat, take a whisk, and just whisk the hell out of it until it starts to thicken like you would most gravy. So whisk the hell out of it for about five minutes. Gravy started thickening up. Bought some little mini biscuits. They're they're small, uh, just some no-name Kroger brand. And there were 12, so two, yeah, two, yeah, two containers of 12, so 24 biscuits. Went ahead and let them cool, cut them into quarters, put them onto the tray. So I had two trays of biscuit quarters and two trays of gravy. Now, instead of sausage, I went ahead and browned some very lean ground turkey. I didn't want to take the chance on trying to find some lean sausage and have to mess with uh, the grease and the fat. I figured let's just do the ground turkey and let's just test it and see what happens. Went ahead and kept it in the freezer about uh, about a good 24 hours. So they were frozen solid. Put it in the freeze dryer. It started doing its thing. And the same thing as the other uh, couple things that I've done recently, it's taking a lot of extra time. It's, it's adding a lot of extra time to the freeze cycle. Like I said, getting it down to 38 below. And so I was really kind of, I'm not sure if something's wrong with the freeze dryer or maybe I just haven't been paying attention and actually watching the freeze drying cycle. Maybe it does it all the time. Maybe it also says, hey, an extra 45 minutes, an extra hour. But, you know, it it went ahead and, and finally kicked in after four and a half extra hours of freeze time. And then all told, it was 19 hours for everything. So I pulled it out. Sunday, yeah, late Sunday. It was late, late Sunday. The of course the biscuits, they were just like hockey pucks. I mean, they weren't going anywhere. And the gravy was very well freeze-dried, no moisture whatsoever. Went ahead and cut it like into thirds. So I had six different portions. I put like eight or nine little biscuit quarters into my vacuum sealed plastic bags because I'm not going to trust the mylar. And using the vacuum, uh, the chamber vacuum sealer, it worked perfect. Vacuum sealed down, let them sit for an hour, went back. They worked great. So I labeled them, got everything sealed, and I'm going to put those into a large mylar bag and then just, you know, pinch it closed, maybe take a, like a, um, it's like a flat iron and go ahead and seal it up. Not that I'm really trusting the mylar. It's more just to keep the biscuits and gravy um, in a dark location. So I don't worry about light or anything like that. Because I don't want to leave the biscuits and gravy in the pantry where it can be exposed to any light. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that until I go ahead and get some new mylar and test it out. I got to figure out what's wrong with that. I can't believe I got like a bad batch of Mylar. It could be user error. It wouldn't be the first time that's happened. So anyway, folks, I appreciate you hanging out with me. You know, when I didn't talk about politics, not a, not a single thing. I am, 
I am very proud of myself. There's certainly not a, poli- not a politics to talk about, but I, I will not do that. If you want to reach me on the Twitter, you can search Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, or the official handle thing is prep underscore podcast. My email address, practicalpreppodcast at gmail.com. Well, folks, if you've been watching the news, it's an absolute shite show out there. Ukraine, Russia, China, uh, France. Those people in France are going bananas. They're burning stuff in the street. They're not happy with uh, with Macron and all the other stuff. We got 15-minute cities coming up. Anyway, it's, it's a crazy, crazy world. So, uh, you know, keep your head on a swivel. And as always, everybody be safe out there, especially these days. Please be safe. Please take care of one another. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review.